This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Good evening, Raider Nation. Welcome to Silver and Black Today, a special edition after the Raiders go to their initial 53-man roster on Tuesday. And we're here to talk about it with you live either on Tuesday night if you're listening to us or watching us now. Or if you're listening to us on Wednesday morning, good morning to you. Hope you're listening on your way into work or wherever you may be going. And so we wanted to get on and be able to talk to you. And thanks for everybody in chat. We are live on YouTube Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as uh, on the Odyssey Podcast Network. Of course, as you know, we are an Odyssey original podcast, Silver and Black, today. Scott Branson, Mo Moten with you as well. Give us a follow uh, wherever you get your podcasts and also here on your favorite digital channel. Hit subscription. Hit notifications if you're on YouTube. Hit that bell so you're always reminded when we go live. Mo, okay, here we go, man. So much to talk about tonight. The Raiders very active today, not only because they had to be in trimming their roster. They were one of two teams that waited until the last minute to tell us. Them and the Patriots, not a surprise, were the last ones uh, to be on there. And so uh, we look at this and we look at what's going on. With this Raiders roster, some surprises today, a trade, uh, and this guy was sent packing. I have a picture right here, so I'm going to toss that aside. No offense to Trayvon Mullen. Trayvon Mullen gets moved for a seventh-round conditional draft pick. Alex Leatherwood. Dave Ziegler says, Alex Leatherwood, you are deadwood to us. They release the first-round draft pick from a year ago. Of course, that was uh, John Gruden and Mike Mayock's first-round draft pick, but he is now gone uh, Mo, what to you, initial reaction, biggest surprise, and also what else to you stuck out when you first saw not only the two big transactions, but then as the entire list was released? Yeah, the surprise for me was obviously Trayvon Mullen being traded. I'm sure a lot of people didn't see that coming because they felt like the Raiders' cornerback room was kind of questionable anyway because you bring in Rocky Asin and Anthony Averett. We're still early in their developmental stages, so trading Trayvon Mullen was a bit of a surprise. 
but there's a reason behind it. We'll get into that later. The other surprise was the fact that they actually kept five running backs. I know a lot of people in the live chat and a lot of people listening to the show have heard me say Britton Brown is not going to make the roster. Well, I was wrong there. He makes the roster, at least in, at least initially. Uh, the Raiders are carrying five running backs. If Britton Brown is on the roster, he'll probably have some inactives. He'll, similar to J.J. Taylor of the Patriots last year. I don't expect him to dress five running backs every week, but I think it's a good story that he was able to make the roster because he had a strong preseason. So I felt like the uh, running back room was too crowded for him. Apparently not. I think maybe they felt like he wouldn't clear waivers and get back on their practice squad. So they wanted to keep him on the roster and keep him away from other teams. Yeah. And so let's let's we're going to get into the specifics on individual players here in a minute, like you mentioned, Mo. But let's just run through. I think most Raider fans that are watching us probably know of all the transactions. But if you look at the players wave, the ones that stick out to me, I'll mention because these are guys we talked about on the show. Alex Bars, the guard, offensive guard. I thought he played well during the preseason. A little surprised by that, especially with the Leatherwood move, because there was no real rush to him. But clearly they kept the extra running back as well. So that makes a lot of sense. Chase Garbers still, I think it might be a practice squad guy. We'll see what happens there. Of course, Leatherwood um, past that. No one really surprised me. Keenan Keelan Cole. We talked about, he was a guy that we felt was either going to be moved or let go. Sure enough. He was let go. Darius Phillips, another guy that we mentioned uh, that has had was, was released as well as Kyle Pecco, which I know is a guy that Raider fans were somewhat excited about, uh, at least to the standpoint of uh, they thought he played well. But we get to, let's start with the the elephant formerly in the room. Uh, and that, of course, was Alex Leatherwood. So we talked about this for the last week, right, that there could be a chance. You talked in your column, too, three things that could happen. They move him to guard, they trade him, or they release him. We now know from what we've seen from other people who cover the league, NFL insiders said that no one had interest in Alex Leatherwood, nor did the Raiders. So in a stunning move, they release him, which is many fans wanted them to just release him. They didn't feel like they could get trade value for him, and sure, certainly they did not. You look now, this kind of completes, uh, with, the, with the trade of Mullen as well, this kind of completes the Mayock slash Gruden, and let's face it, it's really Gruden. I'm not going to blame much on Mayock because it was all Gruden to me. Um, but you look at this now, it closes the loop on what was a disastrous tenure when it came to high draft picks. I saw some fans out there really defending, oh, well, but they got Renfro and they got Max Crosby. Yes, true, but you cannot miss that much on first and second round picks, including the three you still have on the team that were all declined their fifth-year option. So how stunning, and I know we're going to talk about moving forward, but this Alex Leatherwood move, and then tying that in with what's happened over the last couple uh, years, Mo, there's no question this is why, for many other reasons too, the Raiders have struggled to become as good as they could be had the roster been managed better. I think to myself, when they when they brought up the Raiders draft record under Mayock and Gruden, what would this Raiders team be or where would they be right now if Gruden and Mayock had at least hit on two of those picks? And by I say hitting on those picks, I mean if two of those picks had turned into pro ball, all pro players, where would the Raiders be right now? They'd probably exactly. be a team that you would expect to get to the Super Bowl. But because of those early misses, and as you mentioned, yes, we know that they – Got Crosby in the fourth round, got Hunter Renfro in the fifth, got Darren Waller off the practice squad, off the Ravens practice squad. So there there were some good pickups there. But 
when you have that many picks in the first round, you got to cash in on that. And I think a lot of people, regardless of their opinion on Gruden, would agree that when it comes to talent evaluation, when it comes to value and draft picks, not very good at that. Decent head coach, decent offensive play caller, but when it comes to being the GM of your football team, not the guy you want steering the ship. But to your point, I, with Leatherwood, and I know Ian Rapport tweeted that 32 teams basically didn't want him. I'm sure that was a typo. He meant 31. But if you think about it, the Raiders <laughs> didn't want him either. So kind of right. was 32 teams didn't want him. But I will add some context. To that. I think 30, I think the teams that they pitched him to, all 31 of them, didn't want him at that price. Because remember, he he's a high-paid first-round pick. I'm pretty sure he's going to wind up on a team and get a second chance to uh, you know reinvent himself. Now, I think he should reinvent himself or a team should use him at guard. The Raiders felt like they, they weren't going to go that route. Because as I, as we've said on this show, they haven't given him significant snaps at guard. So for mm-hmm. for Josh McDaniels and his staff, Leatherwood was, was either going to play right tackle, or he wasn't going to be on the field at all. And they and it showed today on on a Tuesday. Tried to trade him, got nothing. Let him go, moved on. But one really quick point: they have eight offensive linemen right now as we're recording this. I think they're going to add another offensive lineman, so someone could get kicked off the roster pretty soon. Right. So that's why that's why I see some of the guys like Britton Brown as a good example. And I know I know fans really wanted him to make the team. He played really well. No question. But I just think, again, don't get too attached to the roster as it sits on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, because there will be moves. This is this is common. I think it's a misnomer that, okay, so now you have 53 man. This is where you're going with uh, into week one. It's not true. They have until Friday of week one to finalize the roster and to to um, file the active players for the game and so on, and they can make transactions at any time. And remember, even during the course of the year, just to remind everybody, most NFL teams can bring in five to ten guys a week through each week uh, looking for that guy they might have missed or someone who got let go somewhere else. So so I, I think the way we saw Dave Ziegler operate today um, on Tuesday, he is not done. And there's going to be more tinkering here uh, as it re- as as they get closer to game time because they do need to address it. There was no moves on the offense or offensive line, but there was also no moves today thus far on the defensive line either. And I don't think they're done either there. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, a lot of people went back and forth with me on Twitter about Billings or Vickers. I didn't have Billings on my 53 man. I had Vickers on. Turns out they both made it. So <laughs> if the Raiders <laughs> add another defensive lineman, one of those two guys could be the odd man out. Uh, but as you just said, j- just because whatever the roster looks like right now in the next 24 hours, it's going to change. On the last show, I said the Raiders are going to make at least two trades. They made one with Trayvon Mullen, which, which surprised a lot of people. I think they'll make one more trade. Maybe it's not a, a large-scale trade, but I think they're going to do some more wheeling and dealing because, as you just mentioned, Dave Ziggler has shown that he's willing to make a deal. We've seen that since the minute he got in, trading for Devontae Adams. So if there's an upgrade out there, he's going to he's going to want to jump on that offer. Yeah, and, and to me, again, there, there's so much to, to kind of unwrap here and to get into, and, and I think that that offensive line, they clearly, I mean, with Bars being cut, who I thought was a serviceable player, I, I by no means thought that the guy was the answer anywhere. I thought he was a good rotational player and how he played in the preseason, 
but clearly they're not happy there. You can see letting two offensive linemen go, and I know McDaniels talked about depth, but that was really depth and numbers at the time. Now those numbers are down, and they're heavier in other areas. Let's switch real quick to Trayvon Mullen, Mo. And with Trayvon Mullen, here's a guy I think I think people were surprised about him. I was surprised by him, um, and and I think that it, this comes down to a little bit of system. And also, one thing that you and I have kind of been beating the drum, as have others who cover the Raiders, uh, especially the beat writers, Vic Tafer, Vinny Bonsignor, all have said in the previous weeks that, listen, this front office, this coaching staff is not married to anyone because of money, what they have to pay them, even if they let them go, uh, or tenure, because it's a new sheriff in town and you're not hooked to those guys. You did not draft them. And if you don't feel that they're the best guy for you at that position, then they'll move on. And so Trayvon Mullen goes to Arizona for a seventh-round conditional pick. Some people I was conversing with online were like, man, he was better than that. Why didn't he get a seventh round? And I said, listen, he had promise, but promise doesn't pay the bills, okay? He had injury issues. He showed promise at times. But this is not a guy, Mo, that you were going to get a third or even a fourth-round pick based on the injury and his performance. Yeah, he's basically a number two cornerback. And to to just answer those people who say, well, we should have got more than a conditional seventh that could become a six. As you said, the NFL, what have you done lately? If he was coming off of a fully healthy season, if he was coming off that 2020 season, may have gotten more from him. But he only played five games last year. He underwent surgery in May. He's in a contract year. So basically a team not only is getting a player coming off an off of an injury riddled season, but they're potentially getting a rental for one year because you don't know what he's going to want when he hits the market in 2023. So I think that also factors into it as why the Raiders weren't able to get more for him. But with Mullen, I think a lot of people are taking the wrong angle with him. A lot of people are looking at it as, oh, he, you know, he wasn't good enough. He wasn't that good. And this is what I don't like about these trades and moves is that once a player is gone, a lot of people say, well, he wasn't that good anyway. And I, I push back on that because, again, he led the Raiders in pass breakups his first two seasons. Mm-hmm. He got hurt last year. That doesn't mean he's injury prone. He was healthy for his first two years, didn't miss a game, got hurt last year. He's not all of a sudden injury prone. I think he, for, to be labeled injury prone it has to be a consistent pattern more than one year of being out. So he was, for the most part, reliable. And I think, again, he's a number two cornerback that could be a solid starter. If the Cardinals want to keep him or not, we'll find out. But I think this is more about what the Raiders think about Nate Hobbs. And I said this on Twitter. I think Mm -hmm. now you're going to see Nate Hobbs inside and outside, kind of like a Kenny Moore type of situation with the Colts. He's in the Mm -hmm. slot when you have a nickel formation with five defensive backs, and he's in the base on the outside. Uh, He's on the outside in base formation. So basically he's going to be playing 90% of the snaps now. And I think they see Nate Hobbs as a start. I think that's what this move says. More about Hobbs, less about Mullen. And of course, Rocky Sin. And Anthony Averett over there as well. Those veterans, they clearly like, even though they didn't play a lot, um, they saw what they needed to. They know those guys. Those guys are coming off. Yasin obviously has a lot to prove. Okay, he's got the raw talent. Everybody knows that the kid's talented. And with Averett, you know, uh, based on what he did in Baltimore. So I think you know they they went with the veteran approach there, the more experienced veteran approach, and the kind of what have you done for me lately. Uh, but then there was the, the surprise for all of us so far. Again, it could change in the next few days. Amik Robertson makes this roster as of Tuesday. 
That was a big, big surprise. We both like that kid. We talk about it all the time here on Silver and Black today, but he didn't play well in the in the preseason. He played a lot, which was a bad sign, too. Uh, there was just some troubling signs there with him. It looked like he had lost his confidence. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, and and he, might he be one of those guys who really is still on the bubble uh, should they go out and find a veteran? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I wouldn't get too comfortable if I were Meek Robinson, but it's a good sign he made the roster. I, I think Vic Tafer tweeted this during training camp, I believe early in training camp or maybe during OTAs that the Raiders like his versatility. They feel like he could play inside and outside. So with Nate Hobbs possibly moving from inside and outside, maybe Amik Robinson is the backup. A lot of people are going to say, well, I don't feel comfortable with him in that role. Well, apparently he did enough to make a back-end roster spot, and the Raiders feel like they can salvage his tenure there. And again, that versatility always helps. Anytime a football player can play multiple positions, and yes, the slot cornerback and boundary cornerback positions are two different positions. They have two different responsibilities. Anytime you have that versatility, it helps you make the roster, and I think it worked in Amik Robinson's favor. Yeah, and I'm going to go to some of the chat uh, over on YouTube that we're getting here as well. Question, Mo. Uh, this is one's for you. It says, Mo, you think the Raiders can restructure Leatherwood's contract on waivers? I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's zero chance of that happening. What about you? Yeah, I think zero chance of that happening. People saying, well, he can get back on the practice squad. I, I, one, I don't think he's going to clear waivers. And two, no, uh, the, I know there's funky accounting going on in the NFL, but I don't think that's one of the things that you can do uh, to skirt the cap, the cap space and the salary cap. Yeah, and, and, and Mullen, I think, was just a surprise again, too, because um, likable guy, right, and, and really one of those guys who I think Raider fans look to as a promising defensive back on a unit they were really counting on young guys to kind of step in and everybody was watching Mullen because Hobbs played so well last year. So there's not really a big question about him, but everybody's like, okay, we're, this is the big year for Mullen. He's got to do it now if he's going to make it and he doesn't get the chance with, with Graham's scheme though, was, was, was that part of the the thinking here in moving him? Do you think, was he, was he a little bit of an odd fit there based on what they brought in and how they improved the roster in the defensive back? I, I don't want to say he was an odd fit, but again, with, Patrick Graham, you're going to play a lot of man coverage. And I think that's what that's a special, not a specialty, but I think Nate Hobbs can do that at a high level. So then why not just match him up against whoever you have on the, on the opposite side week to on a week to week basis. If you can line him up inside, if you line him up outside and he can perform well in both positions, then you don't, then you can get rid of one of your boundary cornerbacks. And it just happened to be Trayvon Mullen who's coming off of an injury. So I think part of it, yes, is, is, is scheme. Cause remember Mullen was drafted under Paul Gunther. And there was some mix and match there. There was some zone there with, with Gus Bradley. So now you bring in a new defensive coordinator, new outlook. That's what speaks to my point to say, I don't think this is a condemnation on Mullen. I, I just think this is what they see in Nate Hobbs being a special football player on the back end. Staying with the defensive backfield, uh, and again, you're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thank you guys for being with us. 
as we talk through the Raiders roster cuts as of Tuesday, Darius Phillips. I thought Darius Phillips did really well. He's also a special teamer. He plays well on special teams. Um, that was a little bit of a surprise to me, especially with Mullen being being on his way out and going down uh, down uh, I-11 to Arizona from Vegas to Phoenix. Um, what about that? What about Darius Phillips? I mean, I guess we'll get the press conference and they'll maybe, if he comes up, they'll ask questions about it. But that was that was a minor surprise to me just because I thought he played well. Yeah, the only thing I could point about Darius Phillips is the missed tackles. There were a couple or a yeah. few times where he just didn't wrap up and that may have rubbed Patrick Graham the wrong way. But I think this also speaks to how good Sam Webb played. And Sam Webb, mm -hmm. if you remember in the last show, I said Sam Webb is my Malcolm Butler. He's going to be the undrafted free agent that pops up and surprises everybody and actually becomes a pretty decent football player. So I think him playing well with Amik Robinson's versatility made Darius Phillips expendable, though I was mildly surprised that he was left off the initial 53-man roster. We also get to another surprise, a guy that you really liked, I liked because of my allegiances to Arizona State, forks up, uh, was Darian Butler. Darian Butler has made this roster so far. Again, I'm just going to make the announcement that this will not be their final <laughs> roster. I'm 99.9% uh, convinced of that. But Darian Butler struggled with tackling, to your point of view as well, wrapping up and all that. But they see enough in him clearly that they're going to hold on to him for a little bit. Now, if they can upgrade at linebacker, uh, I, I took a quick scan of those players that released. There were some linebackers released. Nobody I thought really stuck out. Did you see anybody um, that would stick out that the Raiders might sign? Or you think Darian Butler might be just promising enough that they keep him on this roster and somehow get him into the rotation and, and also into special teams. It's funny because like I said before, there could be trades happening. So even if a guy that you don't like is on the scrap heap that you don't think is better than Darren Butler or Luke Masterson, the Raiders could actually trade for a linebacker as they did with Denzel Perriman last year. So I, if I were Luke Masterson and Darren Butler, I wouldn't get comfortable, but it was good to see both those players make the roster and i think it's partially because as i said in the last show too the raiders are thin at linebacker behind divine diablo jayon brown they're thin so they needed some depth there and, and it created an opportunity for the two undrafted rookies to make the roster but i think they both can hang around maybe they may not dress every week but one of those guys is going to be active and they'll probably take part on special teams Interesting. Uh, and, and again, we're talking about the Raiders roster moves today and the trade. Uh, and, and we'll see. I didn't see anybody that wasn't already on the street from an offensive line standpoint, Mo, that stuck out at me as somebody like, oh, the Raiders need to go and get him, i.e. Darrell Williams. Um, but but if you look at so far what you've seen, and I know you spent Tuesday for Bleacher Report going through all of the roster cuts around the league. Give me a couple names. Give Raider Nation out there, our loyal listeners, our loyal viewers, uh, some names to maybe watch out for, guys that would fit well, have a connection to Ziegler or McDaniels that you think could be on the Raiders' radar. Well, it's, this guy doesn't have a connection to the Raiders' radar. I didn't take a great look at the free agent scrap heap because I – Honestly, didn't have the time to, <laughs> but <Sweet peep. laughs> a lot a lot of people have asked me about Dennis Kelly. And I, I think last year I, I said the Raiders should sign Dennis Kelly because he's kind of an insurance policy there. 
But I think I'm past that point of signing a Dennis Kelly. If you're going to start a Luminar and Vinny Bonsignor, the Las Vegas Review Journal said that the Raiders are really high on Thayer Mumford. I believe Albert Brib MMQB said the same thing. So for now, it looks like the Raiders are going to roll with a Luminar and Mumford as a combination at right tackle. And I think if you're going to add another right tackle, that right tackle has to be a clear upgrade over what you already have. And from reports from, from Tashawn Reed of The Athletic, they don't see Darrell Williams as a clear-cut upgrade over what they have. So Darrell Williams is probably not in the cars. I would still look at Bobby Massey just in case they are Mumford's injury lingers. Bobby Massey's the guy I would look at if they don't like Darrell Williams right now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little triggered because in the chat on YouTube is a mention of one Tanner Muse. Uh, <laughs> it just caught, it caught my eye saying that Masterson is a makeup for Tanner Muse. So I'll get that as well. So the Munford thing. So we, we watched him. I thought he played really well in spots. I was, and maybe I missed it, Mo. Um, I watched each game multiple times and I saw him, thought he played well, but I, I thought maybe, maybe, and he still may be moved to the practice squad, but it sounds to your point that you just made that they seem pretty happy with him and Illuminor over there. Uh, what did I miss? What did we all miss? And I caught, and I said this to someone in the YouTube chat last night. We're all watching these preseason games. You can watch them 50 times, but what we don't get to see is what happens on the practice field. Very true. So unless you're a beat reporter who's there every day and you see all these practices, you don't get to see the full picture of the growth of these players over the summer, over an off-season program. And it sounds like to me, even though he had limited showing in the exhibition games, Thayer Mumford has really shown a lot of growth over the season, and the coach staff really likes him. So for now, I, I think he's going to be the long-term option there unless you draft high at the position in 2023. And that's why – and I don't – listen, I, I, fans can be really hard on players. And listen, it's a performance business. So when it comes to Alex Leatherwood not performing, I get it. And I don't disagree at all because we've been talking about it on the show all preseason. But it's stunning that a seventh rounder beats out a first rounder for a position on this team. And that's that does say a lot. Um, but does there then become regime bias? I mean, I'm not saying Munford is, isn't a guy who has earned his spot by any means, but he's your guy, right? Leatherwood was not their guy. And I, I think that just like in any business, people you hire, people you bring in, people you evaluate, unless they're a Colton Miller, for example, where there's just no question, um, they're going to go with their guys. How much of this roster makeup do you see of that? Because there, there obviously was turnover before we even got on the practice field for camp. But when you look at this roster and it's and 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 how they've remade it since they've taken over, how much of that do you think factored into so much of what we saw today? I don't think it's biased because I honestly think that the coaches staff and the front office looked at this roster objectively and said, who's the better player for this spot? And that's because you don't just eat 7.9 million for Alex Leatherwood and not blink. So they obviously thought that Alex Wood just wasn't a fit for their system. And they felt like they have Mumford and Illuminar were the better players. So again, you don't just eat all of that money for nothing just because of bias. So I don't think there's too much bias going into it. I think it's just a matter of natural fit. When you right. go from one regime to another, one coach's staff to another, certain guys just aren't as good of a fit as they were with the previous staff. And that's what's happened. That's what you're seeing with guys like maybe Mullen and guys that were let go. So I'm not I'm not too worried about bias or favorites. I think it's just the best man got the spot for that system. Yeah. 
that that appears. And and your point, and I know it's it's lighting up the chat right now. Your point about not seeing practice that that is the biggest thing. And and even the media, the beat guys, they're out there, but they're so far away from the team. And there are other things that they don't see. Right? It's not because they're not right. doing their job. It's just because you can't see it. And so I think that's where it does. And this is something you know when John Gruden practiced, he didn't let you watch a ton of practice. But when they did, and I'm talking about obviously before all the COVID stuff shut a lot of it down, um, you were closer to the field. Uh, Josh McDaniels taking the the Belichick approach kind of hid some of that, which I think is smart. Mm-hmm. And so I think we don't have the eyes or the views. We, we don't know. We can only go based on what they tell us and what maybe some of these guys do when they have sources inside the organization like coaches and all of that. So really, really interesting point. We're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue to discuss the Raiders roster. I'm going to talk to Mo about uh, some of this roster. What's not there, as we mentioned, offensive line, defensive line, some moves that could be made and what it all means. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere.